My name is Mark Solomon, and this is Never Was. never was a metalhead. Sorry, man. It just never hit me. Okay. No offense. I loved Ozzy. Okay. As anyone who's heard the White Lighter Jams and even some of the Crucified songs, you could tell I love Ozzy. Yeah, he was like the first guy that I ever heard sing and I thought, I, I have to be able to do that, you know? Um, and sure, when I was a kid, I was 12 and MTV was a new thing and everyone was excited about it and Judas Priest blew a dude's head up in their video. I was fascinated because what 12-year-old wouldn't be, you know? Guy's head blew up. Uh, Side note, did you know that that dude drops his pants after that happens? Like he literally loses his pants after his head gets blown up. I think that's hilarious and I didn't even notice it until way, way later. Um, Metallica. Somehow... I mean, that band is good. I love I love their music, you know. They are good enough to be called Metallica, and that's not a joke. That's, that's not an easy sell, okay? You're sitting around with your boys. You're doing whatever it is you do, you know. Or, or better yet, you're at work. Hey, man, I heard you're in a band. Yeah, bro. Yeah, what's uh, what kind of music you guys play? It's metal, man. It's full-on metal. Yeah? What, uh, what's your band called? <laughs> Metallica. <laughs> uh, I just don't, I don't know. I don't see that that was easy. Anyway, you know, they're good enough to where they could have that name and no one laughs. All right. That's saying something. Uh, Slayer. Slayer is the perfect response to any question you don't really feel like answering. Uh, Mark, did you, you know, did you finish your side work after your shift? Mm, no. Why? Slayer? No response. You know why? Because there isn't one. Okay. Look, I just, I was, I was just never, it wasn't my thing. Even when I had hair, I wasn't a metalhead. Uh, I don't know. I just, I missed the wave. Okay. I never had anything against them. I mean. You know, I I actually kind of always liked the metal guys. You know, I remember them dudes in school. They were they were typically known as the stoners. Okay, that was like a name for people, stoners. Uh, it wasn't a joke. It was like a I don't know. It was like a name that they called them, which is funny because now that could be like anybody. You know, there's lots of stoners. Very few of them actually listen to metal. But uh, I mean, without much of a leap right now. <laughs> Just about any subculture could be called a stoner. But anyway, like, uh, what I remember growing up was that most of them dudes were nice, you know, like consistently nice kids. Um, you know, there was always, of course, the, you know, there's like the one guy in every group of metal dudes who was like the intellectual. But this is the funny thing, man. You know, you'd have his cop talks with them. <clears throat> they'd be like. You know, religion, politics, whatever. Stuff that could get really heated. Nine times out of ten, those conversations don't end with anything more strongly than, well, I just think weed should be legal. You know, seriously. Like, very rarely did I ever get a condescending response from a metal dude when we were discussing anything. They were usually just kind of cool guys. Um, But I'll tell you, man. Boy, oh boy, did the parents used to shit their pants about them metal kids. (laughs) Oh, yeah, back in the metal is the devil's music days, you know. And now pretty much everyone knows commercial hip-hop and R&B is the devil's music. What's up, Kanye? You can't see me right now, but I'm making the Illuminati sign. Ta-da! Anyway, I remember those metal days, you know. It It always just seemed a bit of a... A bit much, you know, the devil's getting all the credit or all the blame for all this stuff uh, that these kids are into. And meanwhile, their parents ignore them. You know, they leave them alone for all hours of the day and night. 
come home inexplicably uh, uh, moody, should we say, you know, also hammered. Uh, and then, you know, off to bed, no, not a word. And it's just like the kid's just kind of on his own. Oh, yeah. I slept at that kid's house all kinds of times. I've seen that with my own eyeballs. But look, <clears throat> until the Crucified started playing shows outside of our hometown, really maybe getting around larger groups of people, like I never really met the truly scary metal dude. You know, at that point, I'd known so many nice metal guys that when I did meet like a truly scary dude, you know, which we met a couple of, um, I, I it was just like, oh, that guy's, you know, he's for sure the exception rather than the rule. You know, it's not like I just assumed that everyone was like that dude. You know, uh, and, you know, and this this brings me to my guest tonight. Okay, even today, if you were to hear a Living Sacrifice song or see. Bruce and the guys on stage, you know, without knowing anyone in the band, okay, you know, you might have a certain expectation, especially if you're not really like into the metal thing or whatever. But, uh, you know, that expectation would probably be born of the crushing guitars, the pounding and impossibly fast drums and rhythm sections, and of course, the guttural growling vocals. You know, the thing that I... The thing they do that I could not do. You know? Sure. These days, I mean, it's not the 80s. No one thinks Bruce is eating bat heads or sleeping in a coffin. Although that would be kind of awesome. Bruce, consider it, please. Um, when we did our interview, okay, and uh, Bruce was comparing his rock posters as a kid, the ones he covered his walls with, you know, he's comparing those to the posters on his daughter's wall and they're My Little Pony pictures. <laughs> Part of me just sort of wanted to hear, but alas, you know, Bruce is not that guy. He's a sweetheart. I mean, as is his entire family. Okay. But I'm going to tell you something. You put that guy on stage and something different goes down. I don't know. It's, it's something to behold. Um, and we'll get into that. Uh, we're going to get into sort of the progression of this first half of, uh, for lack of a better term, this first half of, of the life of Living Sacrifice, in particular from Bruce's point of view. We will uh, do this in two parts. So uh, next week we'll conclude it. But for now, uh, we're going to talk about the first half, the early coming up of uh, Living Sacrifice. So please do yourself a favor. Turn it up. Seriously, turn it up. Please enjoy uh, my talk with my longtime friend, uh, Bruce fits you. But first. This show was brought to you in part by American Dance Party. You can find them at AmericanDanceParty.com or you can find them on Twitter at ADP Apparel, on Instagram at American underscore dance underscore party, or Facebook at Facebook.com backslash American Dance Party. Hit them up. Get you some. Remember those, uh, remember those Christian t-shirts back in the 80s and the early 90s? I know you do. You had one. You had the Corona shirt. I'm sorry. The first Corinthians shirt that looked like a Corona shirt. You had it. How about the classic Gold's Gym? But no, it's God's Gym. Huh? Or my personal favorite, and one that has been mocked mercilessly, Mega Life Through Prayer. You know, someone cleverly adopted the logos of Megadeth and Slayer to make this shirt. By the way, I don't know that those two bands should ever be on the same stage. Anyway, sorry. That shirt would have gotten my ass kicked, just so you know. I mean, for sure. God's got the cure for your depressed mode. Huh? Huh? Go by AmericanDanceParty.com or ADP for short for those of us in the know. <laughs> uh, it's way better than God's Gym. Okay? Uh, one last thing. Remember this slogan. Love them all. Let God sort them out. You might be seeing that around.
now in the middle of or the late 80s a band from Little Rock and a band from Fresno somehow got to talk to each other. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> and DJ, how did DJ get my number though? He ordered the demo, the uh <clears throat> Take Up Your Cross demo. Did he order it through a zine or something? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. Okay. Do you remember which one? No. I don't. I'll bet you he does. Oh, he, 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 he could totally tell you. Absolutely. He's got like a crazy <laughs> memory and he keeps everything. So he's probably got all that stuff. So he, oh, that's awesome. So he, exactly. So, so yeah. So DJ, like when we first started out, like DJ would, would just like order anything and everything. He had all these zines, every demo. He would literally order every demo out of a zine for support. Like, and then, and Oh no, this is actually a good one. So, so like, like this is like, like when we started, you know, I mean, we, dude, we were like barely together, not even a year, maybe a few months or whatever. And he's ordering mm-hmm. demos and stuff like that. And he, and the demos are so bad that he's oh, like, man. dude, we could do this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, That's exactly the same thing we said. <laughs> we're, we're just as bad as these guys. Yeah, at least there's no way we're this bad. exactly and so and so that was like the whole impetus to be like man this you know this stuff is just not good let's 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 do something so so he would he would uh he would order everything under the sun and there were just only a few demos that like actually stuck around and you know, like okay. where, like we just listen to him, and uh, right. one of them was the crucified like on purpose, and uh, take up your cross, and one of them was like a believer demo, and I can't, I can't think of the name of it right now. Mm-hmm. But those mm-hmm. guys, but he had everything. He had the vengeance demo. He had, uh, uh, he he had everything, and anyway, so like in those demos, like uh, I guess your number was in there. And um, Kurt's number from Believer, and because okay. those were the demo, those were the, the the ones that we were listening to more and more. Like, you know, he would he would call you, and he uh, I think, and I don't even know if you remember. You, you pro- maybe maybe you do, maybe you don't. But I, I want to say that after we did our first demo, he sent it to you and called you, and you were like, yeah. You need to fix some things. <laughs> <laughs> like I know anything. <laughs> oh, geez. No, it was like it was like constructive criticism, I believe. But then the believer guys were like, "Wow, this is really good." But honestly, what I think what they were hearing was how good Lance was as uh, a nineteen-year-old drummer playing just as fast as Lombardo and right, right. not cheating and. You know, and then, you know, the rest of it was like, ah, we can fix the rest of it. You know, that drummer's awesome. (laughs) And so that's, I mean, that's how we even got signed was through the Believer guys on uh, Rex, Rex, R-E-X music. But yeah, Yeah. anyways. um, Yeah, so I believe, uh, you know, that we we knew about you guys and we used to listen to uh, Take Up Your Cross. We were big into skateboarding. Not so much me. Okay. But the other guys i have horrible coordination i was awful uh-huh. and in fact right. there's a great story of me skateboarding down lance's hill and breaking my arm like sophomore year or something like that <laughs> and the funny thing was i had a guitar in my hand i was like i'm gonna skateboard down this hill with a guitar and lance was oh, like hey man it was actually not a good idea. it was actually lance's guitar he's like hey man give me that guitar before you go down the hill. <laughs> and like which is super smart because, dude, I just started speed wobbling and I bailed. Oh yeah, yeah. and I broke my wrist. <laughs> at times. Um, oh geez. So, anyways, and you know what's funny is that if you did that same thing today, you would break way more than your wrist. <laughs> That's right. I was. Oh know, my god. I think when you're when you're when you're still in school, you're kind of your bones are still made of rubber. So, yeah. You know, you, you still bounce a little bit. Now yeah, it's yeah. there's not very much bouncing. Exactly. It's more shattering. Exactly. More shattering. 
Okay, so yeah, you guys, uh, you, we're, we're passing demos around. I mean, we have a very similar experience, you know. One of the only bands that I heard that even sounded like they had ever really listened to a record and planned out how to record it was Point Blank. That was Bill's band, you know, because it was, it sounded like a punk band that I would listen to. And, you know, but again, this is like, you guys couldn't have been much older than we were. Uh, you know, what are you, I'm 45. Are you younger than me? Yeah, yeah, I'm 42. Yeah, so, you know, same time frame, mm-hmm. same yeah. same age, really. DJ, and, and DJ's like, he's 44, so he's just like a year younger than you. So, yeah. I mean, nobody had, nobody knew anything about recording, you know. No, nobody really knew. Oh, no, that but first. But you know dude, what sound you Dude, know? that first demo was uh, tracked live. Like in like three hours, four songs mm-hmm. in like a, a, a trailer, some dude's trailer. Yeah, but I'm telling you something right now, man. Half them bands didn't track on even a four track. They stuck a beatbox in the middle of the room and pushed record, you know. Oh, yeah, yeah, some yeah, exactly. So, paper. yeah, all the all the stuff that that uh, that DJ was getting and all the demos that we were getting were just horrible and so bad. And we we're like. Because, you know, when you first start out, you're like, oh, we're going to, you know, you, you, you need to play a whole bunch and practice right. and write songs and then play a bunch of gigs. Um, but the stuff we were getting was so bad. We were like, oh, we're better than these, better than this stuff we're getting now. We should at least try. But I mean, honestly, you know, recording is part of it, too. Like, you know. Sure. Oh, yeah. Even Definitely. beyond practicing, you know, just like practicing, gigging and recording. Like you, you have to make those really bad recordings before you can make the better ones, the good ones. Sure. Yeah. It's something to, re- to, to compare off of. How often were you guys uh, practicing early on? Uh, probably like every day. <laughs> Dude, I was crucified practiced three times a week for three hours a day. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I don't think that's, that would be impossible to this at this time. Oh there's no, there's no, no way. I mean, we, we, if we if we have a, a show or a string of shows, we'll get together and rehearse one time, make the set list, you know, go through the set list twice, work on, you know, adding a new song into the set list or something like that, or kicking it out because we, <laughs> we couldn't get around to it or whatever. But yeah, yeah. Right. It, I mean, yeah, of course. You know, I mean, you're, we were, we were 17. Uh, we started the band when I was... 18 got signed when I when we were not when I was 19 yeah I mean we had all the time in the world that's all we did (laughs) we just played everything was about the band setting up shows and yeah being in Arkansas was definitely like there was nobody else around like within a scene so I mean our first show one of our first shows was with uh that band shelter uh yeah with uh you played with shelter yeah, yeah, it was a. That was a. I mean, that was technically our third show ever. Was with Shelter, and wow. and we specifically asked because in our scene, uh, like the metal bands were or the rock bands were like all cover bands, but like right. the punk and hardcore bands were like writing and doing their own stuff, and so we were like, we don't want to play with a metal band. We don't want to. We just don't want to. We're not a cover band. We want to play with a hardcore band. Or or whatever. I mean, that's what we called it then. And so they were like, uh, and this was like the first year uh, that uh, Vino's had opened up in Little Rock, and uh, places okay. still open. Serves pizza. We played there a few times. Beer. Yep. Oh yeah, I've seen everybody there. I saw Green Day there. I've seen Fugazi there. <laughs> seen Jawbox there. Uh, uh, one of the first dates Heather and I went on. I said, "Hey, do you like Jawbox?" And she's like, "Yeah, they're okay." I'm like, "We're gonna go." That's amazing. Yeah. And you saw them at Vino's? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good place to see Jawbox. I saw them, <laughs> Shudder to Think, uh, wow. All. Did not see The Descendants, but I did see All. Um, but yeah, it, it, for whatever reason in our scene, like all the touring stuff that was coming through was like hardcore. It wasn't like... Right. And, 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 and punk, you know? I mean, it wasn't like all the rock bands, the metal bands were either playing bars cover cover songs and bars or whatever and we just weren't i mean we just weren't in that scene at all so so we said we specifically wanted to be set up with like you know like a touring hardcore band and shelter shelter was the candidate and uh yeah i remember i got to uh 
like a guitar player for the band had just gotten this like heavy metal guitar and mm-hmm. with uh with a whammy bar and a tremolo but it was a floating tremolo with a basically a floyd rose and he didn't he didn't know how to set it up and he kept tuning okay. his guitar up and the bar would just keep rising and rising and rising and i had already <laughs> dealt with this like for about two years and i like there's like a trick to it so i helped fix his guitar and he was like super stoked. oh well dude shelter guitar tech he was stoked. Bruce Fitzhugh, ladies and gentlemen. But I'll tell you this: like we we didn't know what we were doing live at all. I mean, we were just like obviously kids or whatever. But sure, Shelter, oh my gosh, those guys were like going nuts, like jumping all over the <laughs> stage. Like we, I mean, we were just like in awe when we saw them. We were like, oh my gosh, what are they doing? It was nuts. <laughs> Yeah, that that moment of realization of what it means to really do a good show, you know, I I think that's a you can't learn it, though, until you get out there and see it. I mean, I we saw the accused. I, I mentioned it in, on Billy's show. You know, we played with GBH and the accused and uh, yeah, I'd played we had played shows with bands before, but. I'd never seen anything like that. I mean, the accused was all over the place and like jumping in unison, but it wasn't stupid. You know, it was awesome. And I I think from that point on, we knew like, oh, you got to step it up a little bit. And all those New York bands, man, I I was, I don't, did you ever see the Cro-Mags video for We Gotta Know? No. uh -uh, That was like such a hugely impactful video for me because back Again, back then, there's nothing. You can't get a hold of any, you know, punk rock videos at all. And I see these just like completely covered in tattoos, these skinhead guys, and then this one long hair dude, and they're just all over the stage and there's bodies flying everywhere. I'm like, man, if we ever play with a band like this, we're going to get creamed. (laughs) Yeah. So how'd the, how'd the show go? Did you feel, like, do you remember it at all? Do you, uh, it- yeah. I mean, sort of, I mean, all the shows kind of run into a blur, but you know, we, we played, man, like any shows back then we played so fast uh, yeah. because yeah. Lance was just fast and we would just get, I mean, all of us, we would get like totally like, you know, it's adrenaline, adrenaline pumped, yeah. you know, and it, it obviously it probably took a couple of years to where we were like, to where we wouldn't play stuff faster than it should have been or whatever. But yeah, I, I, I remember we had horrible equipment and, uh, some, some guys, some friends of our, I remember some friends of ours, uh, in, uh, this band called trusty who they, uh, weirdly enough ended up moving to DC to sign to discord. We're like, uh, we're like, uh, Hey, yeah. Uh, you guys should probably turn down your gain on your amp because <laughs> it'll it'll make it'll make the uh the guitars clear like what you're playing clearer right, easier to, to right. understand here and i was just like i just didn't understand it because like when you turn the gain up like all the way which is what we did that's what made it sound crunchy and nasty or whatever and if right, you're sitting right. right in front of your amp that might sound okay or it might make it sound like somebody's you know as close as you can get to that metallica album but when you're in a live setting and you got a mic in front of it and it's just a tiny little combo amp, it was the worst. So, <laughs> yeah, live and learn. Yeah, yeah. So, listen, before we go too much further, I want to ask because we're going to start getting into to, to life here. When you were growing up, before leaving Sacrifice, before the Shelter Show, before you learned to turn the game down, what did you want to do? What did you want to be when you grew up? Do you know? Did you know? Um, no, no idea. Uh-uh. Do you know that that's the most, that's easily the most common answer. And yet I think our society thinks everybody knows what they want to be when they grow up. You know what I mean? Well, but I mean, most people really don't the know. The thing that impacted me the most was music. I mean, mm-hmm. my walls were covered. I got, I, you know, I finally got a guitar when I was, my, sorry, my walls were covered with posters, much like my girls here, you know? Except instead of <laughs> instead of My Little Pony, it was like Iron Maiden, Motley Crue, Van Halen. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, I had massive posters of Eddie Van Halen on my wall because oh, yeah. Eddie was the dude. Well, he was the man, and he's he was like the one of the reasons. Other than like buddies of mine that played guitar that were really good in the neighborhood, 
Um, right. Like, that's probably, I mean, you know, obviously Eddie Van Halen and then those dudes, I would, I'd watch those dudes play and I'd be like, oh, they're so good, you know. I, I just want to play like that, like that dude. Um, so, yeah, I mean, music always just impacted me so strongly. Um, but I never, you know, it was never, it was never much of a thought like, oh, I'm going to be in a band one day. And I'm going to do this or that. I was, I did want to play guitar and I wanted to, I wanted to play and get, you know, I wanted to be as good as the people I looked up to and probably be in a band, but it wasn't like an end all type thing. It's like, I'm going to, you know, make a living. I mean, I didn't even think about that stuff. I was just like, oh, it'd be awesome to be in a band. But I think that counts. I think that qualifies though. I mean, man, you're little, your brain is still sort of forming. You don't even really have opinions yet, I don't think, you know? Oh, so, yeah. heck no. No. Starting to play some shows. Uh, you're starting to, uh, you know, kind of get your feet underneath you as to what you you think you want to do and how you want to do it, as far as music is concerned. And then DJ starts like, you know, collecting all these cassettes basically, and then we we all sort of hooked up. I mean, how long have you guys been together by the time we actually played? I, I don't think we got to play with you guys until after our first record was finished but it wasn't out yet because um, we, so this is after 91. Well, yeah, but I mean, I'd met, we met you guys. I want to say in ni- in 91 at Cornerstone. Uh, okay. Cause we just went up there to, to hang out, but we gotcha. already had our record finished and it was our first year, basically first year to go. We weren't playing. We were just going to hang out. And, um, okay. and uh, that, you know, we just met you guys in passing. You, you know, we, we were kind of like, Oh, remember we gave you our demo one time or whatever, some stuff, something like that. I don't know. And then um, at at one point we got to play with you guys in uh, Bartlesville, Oklahoma. That was the first show that we played with you guys. Yeah, at. that's the one I remember the most vividly. Yeah, and where was that? That was like our that was like on our first shows ever on the road, like first time ever going on tour. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? And was that was that at the warehouse or was that a yeah? Okay, so that was, it was at the warehouse, and it was the first show at the warehouse. I don't think you guys had um, you had maybe played one or two shows there before, but there had not really been anything happening there yet. And didn't didn't somebody because, like have like a, a huge crucified mural graffiti thing already? Up well, yeah, there? we or no, we uh, our our buddy Rick came with us, and his nickname at the time was Chato. He was like our roadie slash buddy, and. uh he was mostly just hanging out, but he was, you know, he was. Yeah, I I remember he, that. He was a uh, he's a roughneck, and he went in there and painted a huge mural on the wall, and uh, so so uh, I, so that, that might have really cool. been ninety one, like not long after we had met you guys at the festival, and that show was already set up, Maybe. but our record wasn't out yet. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Maybe. I yeah. We met you guys and Tim Cook and he took us to uh, some Asian food place down the street. And uh, everybody was very fresh faced and long haired. <laughs> <laughs> I know. remember. I remember. I mean, we we're all, you know, I remember thinking, wow, these guys are from California and they know so much more than we do. They're so cool. We were like. <laughs> Like we wow. were just like, 
I felt like just like the dumbest hick. Like, <laughs> like wow, look that dude's like, it's like spray painting the wall with all this cool graffiti. <laughs> yeah, the funny thing is, is that wasn't even anybody in our actual band. We had. <laughs> Well, I, I knew he wasn't your band, but he was like—he was like your buddy. Yeah. He was on the road with oh, yeah, you, you know. No, it was like, dude, he's a—he's a tattooer now. His—he's basically—he uh, looks like he was dipped in tattoos. Yeah, I mean, his—you can see his eyes. Nice, <laughs> but he's pretty well covered. Nice, yeah. I—I I re- I just remember going out there and being like, "This is," because I had never really spent any time outside of California. Save for for Nevada and then, you know, for the Cornerstone Festival. So like, you know, the 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 crushing humidity, the um just the miles and miles of flatness, like all oh, that was pretty new to me, you know. Yeah. So Dude, I remember one time late late much later on when uh Jim had come to town, Jim Chaffin, crucified yeah. drummer. I think he might have been playing with the blamed or somebody. Anyways, he was in town hanging out and uh, we went to our house or whatever, <laughs> went to my house and I was, you know, cooking out or something like that. But mm-hmm. he was just like, it, it was oppressive humidity for <laughs> sure. You know, oh, it was, man. but it was Arkansas. But, but, you know, I was, I was used to it. I was just like, yeah, whatever. But Jim was just like, how do you guys dying. breathe? It's like, I'm, I'm walking in soup. <laughs> it's like you walk outside and you immediately start sweating. I, I remember, man, I remember playing some of those shows over the years in that, at, that, at the warehouse and just wanting to go out back and throw up because it was just so crushing. And we we're not only were you, are you in this like super hot climate, but everybody's trapped in a concrete building. <laughs> it's just, you know sweaty dudes running around it was awful you know it was awful the first don't you feel like you need to put some like purell on your hands right now thinking about it like maybe Uh, just a little little you know it's funny the first time we played uh bartlesville was was with tim cook and it was our first show out of state and we played uh two shows with believer we played uh one night in oklahoma city and the next night in in uh it was in bartlesville and yeah. it was Tim's first show. Uh, and that was probably that was probably a year before he opened the warehouse, a year before this show that we're talking about with with the crucified. And it was us and Believer and we it ended up being in like a uh theater because there was like sure, seats. Sure, like their little Yeah, there were like uh-huh. seats and everything and uh <laughs> there was like 500 people there. <laughs> it was ridiculous. <laughs> we were like yeah. we we're like wow, this is what touring is. Awesome. <laughs> Yeah, every show's going to be like yeah, this.
those are the early days, you know, and, 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 uh, and DJ is the singer of the band and you guys are very, very definitely going, you know, you're in a specific kind of genre and direction musically. And then sort of, I don't know, talk about kind of the transition there. You know, I know DJ is, you know, obviously not in the group anymore. Can, can you elaborate on that? Yeah. I mean, um, well, it was, it was after we did, uh, we did three records back to back pretty much every year, 92, 93, 94. Mm-hmm. Um, or I, I, so, you know, around that, I, I think the first record might've, I think it actually came out end of 91. Um, the, the year that we met you guys and started playing and then, mm-hmm. uh, non-existing came out in 92 and then, uh, inhabit came out in 94. Um, but yeah, so uh, you know, we'd done you know three records with R- uh, uh, REX Music. Uh, we you know we didn't you know back then we didn't know anything about what was selling what. It was just kind of like, hey, let's do another record, and sure. and they would say they would say things like, yeah, the record's doing really well, you know, for for what it was, and I think those <laughs> records sold around you know, 10,000, 15,000 units like per album. Sure. But going from our first record to our second record, there was a huge shift in uh, DJ's vocals and how he, how he delivered them. And um, we were, we were tapping into kind of a lot of uh, the death, the, 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 the Florida death metal scene that was, that was blowing up then. And it was kind of like in our minds and our young, young minds, it was like, you know, man, we, we've got to be just as brutal and heavy as, the heaviest thing that's out there in mm-hmm. a way. And, you know, that was bands like Lovely Creation, Obituary and stuff like that. And so, um, uh, and, and we kind of wanted to move away from the first, what we thought we were, you know, from the first album where a lot of, you know, we were getting a lot of comparisons with Slayer, um, mm. and everything. So, um, that whole time period, we were just really still trying to find, who we were and ourselves and you know we just wanted to be like technically proficient and fast and brutal and we just wanted to be as good as anything out there and that was just like our goal and so that all culminated with the fourth with the third record in habit of being just like just crazy and if anybody's familiar with that record is like they're just super fast stuff crazy transitions you know that that was our mindset at the time um and then after that record you know dj or even probably during that that time period of that record dj was like he was like he and i he and i were actually in college the whole time like from the start so like we would go to we would go to um we were going to class and then we would tour on the uh, in the summers or record in the summers or like when we recorded in habit was literally on like uh, a christmas break like two weeks. So we left huh. Christmas day in 1993 to record and have it. And we recorded for like, I don't know, maybe a six, five or six days. Sure. Sure. With the believer, with the believer guys, with Kurt and Joey in Pennsylvania and, uh, awesome time. Great time. But you know, this was, this was already our third record. We were not making any money. We didn't, you know, it was kind of like we were, we were to the point kind of to where we're like oh well maybe we won't you know be able to you know support ourselves you know with music and stuff like that and so Mm -hmm. i think for dj you know um he was he was probably getting pressure from his family a little bit to finish up school and figure out really what he wanted to do and so he definitely shifted his focus on uh what he was doing and he was like he started the band man i mean he he found you know he came up with the name he, you know, has been lifelong friends with Lance, you know, and, you know, talked to me, you know, and said, hey, we're starting a band. Let's do this. And then, you know, and then later on, we've, we, we, we got Jason to join the band and everything. But, I mean, he was, he was, you know, running the show, so to speak, mm-hmm. as far as all that goes. I mean, I mean, he's the reason we ever made our first demo and sent it off to Kurt and those dudes uh, with Believer you know, he's the reason that, you know, we ever connected with you guys initially, you know, just to say, you know, what should we do? And I think all the advice given by you and Kurt was like, yeah, go out and make a demo, record yourselves, you know, and stuff like that. Yeah. 
And so we did, and then he sent the demo to you, and and then you tore it to pieces. So thanks, buddy. Just kidding. <laughs> what a sweetheart. Not- I had forgotten Kurt. I talked to Kurt many times on the, on the phone back then. You know, yeah. I think. I think I might have got his number the same way DJ did. So you guys are making your your transition. Your you know, your, I I mean I I get it. You know he started the band and stuff. But like, what kind of was happening? Is he in college and feeling like he wants to go do something else? Um. Yeah. I mean, you know, he uh, he just really just you know kind of like started uh started hanging out with different groups of people. Started getting into. A lot of hardcore and the whole, even the whole straight edge movement, you know, really. Mm-hmm. And so there was just kind of like this split, um, you know, that, that, that occurred and, you know, uh, just, you know, it's, it, it was just like, uh, you know, not a lot of focus, not, you know, not really interested in writing anymore, or, you know, like rehearsing mm-hmm. or any of that stuff, you know, it was just kind of like. Like, dude, we, you know, we really, you know, we want to keep doing this and you're not into it. You know, you're doing all this other stuff going off, you know, you've got your buddies and it was kind of a weird thing, honestly, you know, uh, where like he just had, he just created this whole other group of friends, this whole other world, you know what I mean? And, sure. um, and he was going through some stuff, some other stuff then some struggles and stuff. And, you know, you'd have to talk to him to get, to get that you know, that perspective and everything. Sure. Sure. You know, but, but, you know, it was like, you know, I mean, it's the type of thing that, hap- that, that is common, you know, when you're 23, which yeah. we were, you know, we'd started so young, we were like 18 when we got signed. So, I mean, you know, we were still just like 23, you know, 24. It wasn't, you know, we were still super young, you know, I mean, not even, not, not, not quite finished school yet or college. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, it's just like, you know, it, it is, you know, is, is this what I want to do? Is this, you know, what I want to pursue and all that. So, I mean, it just made sense, you know, I mean, you know, mm-hmm. do we honestly, you know, me and Lance made the decision and, and Jason, you know, we we're like, yeah, we, we, we just got to, we want to do another record. We want to do something else, but we got to get off our label and that's a whole other story getting off the record label. But, um, but yeah, yeah, we, it just, you know, he, it was just time, you know, when we parted ways with him and it was really tough, really hard, yeah. you know, as, as, as much as we, as much as we could, we, we, we remained friends and, you know, we kind of, we worked a, a lot of stuff out from that time period. And, you know, I see the dude, you know, when I, when I go to Arkansas, you know, and hang out and stuff like sure. that, he's still one, he's still my best, best friend, talk on the phone, you know, he's just like, that's, he, he's, that's kind of awesome. He's, he's, he's a good dude. You know, you, People come in and out of your life, you know. Um, it's good to hear that you guys are still on well, good terms. And, I met those guys you know. in uh, <clears throat> when I was in in middle school, like in junior high, seventh grade, uh, is when I met Lance and, and DJ. And DJ was a year ahead of us. But uh, DJ was the dude that every day wore a like a concert shirt. Every <laughs> right, day, right. like Sabbath, Van Halen, sure, whatever. Like he was, he was that 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 guy. And because he had he had this cousin who's this friend of ours, uh, or uh, who I I knew as well, lived in the neighborhood, who uh, was older and would take him to shows. Like even early on, like ten, eleven, twelve, going to yeah. see Black Sabbath. And I couldn't go to shows until I finally convinced my mom. Like when I was twelve to let me go see Judas Priest, which is really great first show for a 12 year old. And, (laughs) (laughs) and the reason, no problem there. The reason she let me go. Well, well, here's the thing is, is, is I I should backtrack and say that, uh, I didn't grow up in a Christian home at all. Uh My parents are, are, are awesome people, but my, you know, they just didn't, I never went to church. I didn't know anything about God ever. I mean, I'd been in a church maybe one time with my, went with my grandma. And so my, uh, there was, there was never any issue. Like I never had issues with like bringing home like, uh, you know, Motley Crue shout at the devil with the pentagram on it. You know, it was just like, uh-huh. oh yeah, it's just music or whatever. And so, and, and there was a ton of music already in the house from my brother, like, uh, some old Sabbath records, Zeppelin and stuff like that. Do so you have an older brother? Yeah. Yeah. He's like seven years older than me. 
Okay. And um, he he had all kind he had all kinds of stuff. And he's not like a metal guy, but for whatever reason, he had really really good music laying around, nice. and I inherited a lot of that stuff. Um, and and it it probably you know impacted me way more than it did him. But you know, like the first Van Halen record when that came out in '79 or into '78, I was like, you know, I was six. You know, right, I mean, right. I was born in '72, so I mean, a lot of that stuff was a little early for me. But like by the time I was by the time I was twelve, I was a full on metalhead and <laughs> freaking. Have you ever seen Have you ever seen that 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 uh uh It's not a documentary, really, but it's called uh. It's called Heavy Metal Parking Lot. No. Dude, you've got it. You've got to YouTube that thing. Heavy Metal Parking yeah. Lot? <laughs> hey, so I'll be in the Air Force in about two and a half weeks. Fucking party. No shit. All right, what's your name? Graham, man. Like Graham a dirt and shit. Where are you from? Where are you from? Well, I'm from fucking the West Coast, man. You came all the way here to see the band? Or you just, you're just passing through now. That's a different thing. He means like, where are you right now? Oh, yeah. Besides Earth. He's an ass right now. Yeah, I'm on ass. That's where I am. Is that, all right. Is that what kind of drugs you're doing? Yeah, drugs. Fucking hair, everything. Cocaine, baby. All right, so so you you guys like Priest, right? Yeah. Yeah. How about Dawkins? How does anybody feel about that? Dawkins? Dawkins. Are they really about the best? Yeah. I mean, they're better. What other shows have you seen here? But Metallica. Metallica. We're going to Ocean City. After this, we are headed to Ocean City to party more. They should legalize drugs. That is a fact. That's what they should go for, right? Yeah, this exactly. Time? Uh-huh. It's like, fuck all that. They're, they're practically legal in this America. parking lot anyway. That's right? shit. That's shit, exactly, <laughs> man. There's enough burnouts out there to go hands across America. That's yeah. shit, man. It's gotta be. <laughs> Drugs. Joints across America. Yeah, exactly, across, man. Yeah. They should yeah. make the joint so big it fits across America. Across Everybody's America. smoking. I'm going to get in line for that yeah, one. Shit, man. Looks like you're dressed for a concert, right? I'm just, yeah. No. Get a shot of Get a shot yes. of her. See, I told you we should have brought the baby. Now I have a question. See, what the? Yeah. Oh, that's Don't that's ever nice. get it in a car. Oh, Does your boyfriend do it to you? Yeah, he did. He's brutal. But how about your um bandana? What what's what's that? Is that a fashion uh, it's statement? It's just I don't know. It's just for decoration. It doesn't mean anything, does it? And that's pretty much how I grew up. Okay. It's like a bunch right. of stoners and heads out in <laughs> a parking lot at a Juice Priest show, which was my first show. Okay. And yeah, just. You know, being idiots. So how did how did the how did Christianity enter into your life? I mean, how did you did you go to a camp or something? Did you? No, uh, you know, uh, I was invited by uh, a really good friend who I had had been partying with, um, and he was older mm-hmm. as well. But like, um, we you know we just go to house parties and stuff like that. And um, I didn't necessarily go with him, but you know he was like he was like one of the guys in the neighborhood that was just like. All the girls liked him. He was really good looking and, and he probably partied harder than anybody else. Um, sure. Okay. And then he became a Christian and like just started inviting people to church. And, uh, yeah. So I went, uh, one time I was probably, this time I was probably 15. Um, and yeah, it was just like, I don't know. It was just really weird. It was, I guess it was a, a, legitimate experience conviction you know at that point i was you know i was i was also partying and doing drugs and stuff like that and i was like not really happy about it you know yeah but i didn't really know how to get out of it or to stop it but um when when i turned my life over to god to the lord i just that 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 strength was there all of a sudden to you know to not not uh yeah, not just not continue in that whole change course, whole time, whole thing. Sure, it's called freedom, brother. Absolutely, <laughs> no, yeah. And so it was not that you know, not that everybody is is enslaved by that same thing, but some people are. And man, freedom is freedom. Yeah. So I get to to get back to your question about you know just mm-hmm. like the whole transition thing. You know when 
you know, DJ started the band. He, him and Lance knew each other from like even before I met those guys in junior high and like in grade school and stuff like that. And mm-hmm. so, um, when he left, it was like, uh, for whatever reason, like a lot of the administrative, like business type stuff kind of started coming over onto me. And, and w- mm-hmm. when we first, when he first left, we were like, yeah, we don't want to bring in a new singer like somebody else. So it was kind of like me and Jason were looking at singing like, and he, okay, he, Jason, we would rehearse and Jason would sing some stuff and I would sing some stuff, but essentially Jason would lose his voice, like just after one song <laughs> and I would, yeah. And so that's, I would have, that's how it worked out <laughs> doing that stuff that you guys, man, I don't know if I could have ever sung like that. I never, I never got that one. That bug never bit me, man. Yeah, no. Well, I mean, it's funny because like when I listen to, when you, to me, the old, the crucified vocals, especially on the first album and the second album, there's a lot, there's a lot of aggression to it, but you're not like sure. screaming. You're not like, but we were also listening to, you know, uh, Sepultura and Obituary yeah. and Cannibal Corpse. Oh man, I forgot about that band. They were huge. Oh yeah, yeah. Sepultura. I mean, I would say, I would say vocally. I mean, that's pretty much how I'd pattern my vocals when I first started. Was like kind of that range off of Max. Um, yeah. Because. I mean, I freaking love Sepultura. I was, I was all about it. Well, I remember them as being sort of like the, oh, you like, uh, you know, you like Metallica. That's nice. And it's a little gentle pat on the head. And then, yeah, no, Slayer's good. But the band that we like, this is, I mean, this is in my area. I grew up in Fresno and Southern California, Central California. Sepultura was, was it. I mean, they were definitely considered the the benchmark, I think, for quite some time as far as just pissed off, you know, massive sounding music <laughs> <Yeah>. or whatever. <laughs> Dude, they uh, they had a whole other thing happening with just like the Brazilian tribal, just heavy, heavy, heavy. Yeah. Yeah. I just I have this memory because I remembered you guys as being this certain kind of band. And then, you know, of course, the album that that I think kind of I don't know if it is as much reestablished you or it was like really like the first time you guys really. Made your presence known was reborn. I mean, at least for me, that was that was the impression that I got. 
because it was just like this shocking, like what? The perception from a lot of people was that it was just this kind of, kind of like a seminal record. You know, how do you do you feel that way at all? Did you ever, um, you know, I, I mean, not not at the time. Obviously, I mean, we we were just still going off of a lot of our influences and everything. But that that's the album that I sang on that I started singing, mm-hmm. and you know, as we progressed, you know, I mean, I was. I, we were just pulling in from different influences, you know, and, and by that yeah. time, Par- Pantera had blown up. They were huge. Right, right. And so it was like, the the thing for me was like, Living Sacrifice had kind of progressed into a very death metal extreme type band in 94 when we didn't have it. And then when mm-hmm. I took over vocals, probably not until it was right, right around 96, um, I was like, I'm not, I'm not going to sing like that. I'm not going to sing like yeah. obituary like DJ, or like frankly. DJ. My <laughs> yeah. voice isn't like that. My voice is probably more along the lines of, of Max or, you know, or even, you know, some of the heavier aspects of Phil, Phil Anselmo, you know, mm-hmm. not saying I say, sound anything like those guys, but like, like saying basically saying you think you could you could beat up phil anselmo if you saw him in a street fight absolutely you could totally beat him up. i could yeah. okay. destroy him for sure you could for sure take um, him okay. <laughs> no he he would d- destroy me for sure um but like as far as the the <laughs> the, the range of my voice you know because i mean i i'd never done it number one i'd never really done it before and so it was kind of like mm-hmm. Well, what does my voice sound like? You know, like what what is my range? And but I mean, what am I into? Like for one, I was more into those guys vocally. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I couldn't sing really. I knew I pretty much knew that. I knew it was going to be pretty much straight yelling. Um, but uh, but yeah, it's just that's just kind of what what came out. And so musically, that that also created the shift as to as to how the music was going to sound if my vocals were going to be like really straightforward and some people would say even for especially for reborn hardcore and staccato then we wanted our mm-hmm. music to be the same way and that sure, sure. that uh allowed us to bring in a lot of like stop start stuff a lot of off time things uh you know uh, break breakdowns which Nobody knew what a breakdown was back then. You know, it was just whatever. <laughs> yeah. So, but yeah, I mean, you know, and so that's just what came out. Um, and since then, you know, I mean, uh, that's, you know, kind of what you're saying is, is what people, other people say to, to me about, about the record, which is well, dude, great. It's that's just, awesome. Let me, let me explain something here, man. You know, you got, I don't believe in synergy or whatever. I don't, you know, I'm not into all those types of things. Uh, fate really. I mean, sovereignty I get, but you know, I get it with a, with a direction, but I don't know. There's a thing that every once in a while, a band just hits it, dude. They just do something right at the right time and they do it the right way. And it, it meets, let me put it this way. I'm at a show. You guys are coming out to play. I know this new record is out. Um, I know that you're singing in the band now and everybody is talking about it. And nothing against DJ at all. I mean, dude, there's a reason why Living Sacrifice was known and respected on up to that point, right? Um, But, you know, a shift happened and I'm standing in the crowd, which I never go to shows. I don't watch a lot of my friends bands play. I just, you know, it's just not really my thing. I, I, I want a little mystery and you know, I know the dude, I was just eating lunch with him yesterday. You know what I mean? Like, plus it's such a small, it's a small group of people. It's not like a name drop at all. It's just, dude, we, we all, we all were practically on the same bus. You know what I mean? It's, it's so, you know, I don't always go to the shows and, and, um, and I also don't, you know, I just kind of have my own thing going on, but I'm, I'm out there and, I'm, and you guys are coming on the stage and like, I just remember this like swell of sound is just freaking wall of guitars and there's Bruce in the middle of it. And I don't know if it was the lights or what, but I'm like, dude, 
that ain't the same guy. <laughs> that is not the same guy, you know? And it was just like this. And I was like, that's not even my style of music, Bruce. You know me. I, yeah. I, that's not what I really listen to. But I was like, oh, this badass. Oh, yeah. <laughs> this is good. You know, and me and the Stavesaker guys like, oh, dude, I don't I don't even, you know, that was freaking sweet. It's just it's cool when your friends do cool stuff, you know, and you know, we saw it and, and I think a lot of people saw it and I think it was really very much a, a, a significant shift because man, I think about the things that followed after that and, and all the bands, you know, in the same community of people, I, I really, again, no disrespect to anybody else, but I feel like that kind of started a second wave i think solid state owes a lot to living sacrifice you know what i mean just for because somehow man i've talked about it all the time but christian people playing music have a hard time being given a genre of anything other than christian music you know yeah it's which is not the same as being an r&b band or a metal band or a hardcore band but something happened there where like it worked for for the Christian community to play such heavy, aggressive music. And I was like, dude, this is this is pretty good. This is pretty good. Wow. Well thank yeah, thank you. I mean uh that was a long time ago though. <laughs> that was awesome. <laughs> So there you have it, Dear Neverwares, part one of my conversation with Bruce Fitzhugh of Living Sacrifice. And as I said on the show, there's too much information to cover in an hour, so uh, he'll be back again next week. We will see you there. Um, I am still taking emails for the next Ladders episode. You know, uh, shoot me a quick story about the show, the band, the movie, the book, the festival, whatever, uh, that changed your life had an impact on your life and you think the world should know it okay you email me at the twilight zone at i never that's the twilight's own at i never no z's in there or search for me on skype same address add me and uh we skip critiquing your emails and uh just get straight to the, to the good stuff uh, i'll put you on the phone and see if we can't get at least 15 minutes out of you you know or more or less or more or less probably I don't know it won't be a huge investment of your time okay come on I got some good stories in there I mean I got some good stories already but I want more give me more I will get back to everyone I promise okay business tonight you heard Haven of Blasphemy from Living Sacrifices demo uh, released somewhere around 1 million years ago also, we heard uh, Anorexia Spiritual from their first album, the self-titled Living Sacrifice, and the massive reject from their album Reborn, which you should already own, okay? I mean, I own it. Uh, I'm not even as metal as you, for sure. It's amazing. Also, uh, there was a little clip from Heavy Metal Parking Lot, per Bruce's assignment, uh, which you can find on YouTube. I would describe it as equal parts hilarious and sad. Uh, but, you know, it's half an hour worth of uh, very fascinating modern history. Check it out. As always, Billy Power of Urban Achiever Podcast produced this show. And as always, I miss my deadline. And as always, Bill is ready to strangle me. You can get at Billy Power on Twitter at Urban Achiever PC, or you can go straight to the UrbanAchieverShow.com. Uh, this show and all other episodes can be found on iTunes, but you can also catch us on uh, INeverWas.com. That's INeverWas.com. And by the way, due to some very wonderful new friends, there's soon to be all kinds of good stuff on there, so please come by and check it out. And, uh, the rest of the music you heard tonight was from my band, uh, White Lighter, our self-titled album uh, on Northern Records, White Lighter. And of course, American Dance Party will literally take the shirt off their own back and sell it to you. Uh, choose wisely when you do that, please. Hands up. Thank you for listening. Thank you for supporting. Thank you for emailing and just generally being awesome. I really, truly appreciate it. Rainbow out.